This is Scott Richmond. And Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, a good Sunday morning. Scott, good morning to you. You know, everywhere I travel, and you know I'm a traveler like you are, wherever I go. You travel more than I do. Yeah, that's true. I've been trying to get all my traveling in, you know, post-COVID. But wherever I go, as soon as I say uh, I'm from Montana, the first thing I hear these days is about Yellowstone, you know, the TV series and all the offshoots, 1923 and all the others. Yeah. And what I found fascinating has been, and we're going to talk about it today with our guests, but has been the economic impact of a TV series on a state like Montana. And the Bureau, you know, of Business and Economic Research at the University of Montana just completed a study from the year 2021, where they have all the data in, Uh to show the impact of just a Yellowstone show, which has about, I think, this season when it opened uh, its first episode, had 12 million viewers. I mean, you can't get that kind of free publicity any other way, right? 12 million viewers. But in 2020, you know, to 2021, Yellowstone brought, brought 2 million people to Montana just as a result they of that show. They were able to determine To it. determine that, that, that you know, by asking and doing the research, wow. you know, that they do. And it had $730 million in spending from those 2 million people <laughs> that came. And a lot of it was in our area. Even though the show is supposedly, you know, around Bozeman and, you know, Paradise. Yeah, well, you know, and and even, uh, uh, you know, some of it's filmed in Butte. As we know, most of it is filmed here in Darby, Hamilton, Missoula, and the Bitterroot Valley. So a lot of that economic impact has really, you know, affected us. I've heard stories, and I think you know this as well, of them having a cast party and walking into a wine store in Missoula and buying every bottle of wine. Right. Or... Buying furniture for the Dutton Ranch, which, as we all know, is uh, the Chief Joseph Ranch down, you know, close to Darby. Right, in Darby. Refurnishing the entire ranch for the show and letting them keep the furnishings. And, of course, hiring many, many people to work on the set and to be gophers and to uh, do all kinds of work. It has really had a tremendous economic impact. And I think it's a good lead-in to our conversation today with Emily. And tell our listeners a little bit about Emily. You've worked with her a lot. So Emily Ralston's with Destination Missoula and the tourism board here in town. And they are on the pulse of what's going on as it relates to tourists and out-of-staters, out-of-country people coming to Montana. You know, you're right. That show really is just like a great, like, postcard to the world, like, hey, come visit us in Montana. Well, it's not always a realistic postcard. Like, it never snowed. Right. It's never snowed on Yellowstone. Right. They don't have 20 degrees. Oh, yeah, I know. It's like, it's, it's crazy. But anyway, Emily has all the data, all the statistics right at her fingertips. And we're going to talk to her about that and some other things about what's coming to Missoula, what's happening. Right. You know, has it become a more happening place in the last couple of years? Back after this with Emily Ralston. Arnie Sherman, we are back with Emily Ralston. From? From Destination Missoula. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's fun to be here. So right off the bat for our listeners, tell us what Destination Missoula is. So Destination Missoula is a destination marketing and stewardship organization for our city. And that means that um, we we promote this area for um, sustainable year-round tourism. 
So is it equivalent in other towns to what we would call a convention and visitors bureau? Yes. Yep. And that's a little bit more kind of antiquated language. Right. You know, as we as we grow and evolve, we like to, you know, change the lingo as well. Yeah, because it's not just conventions. Conventions are very limiting kind of thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But officially, we are recognized by the state of Montana as the CBB for Missoula. And who makes up the membership? Who are the members of Destination Missoula? Yeah, so we are a membership organization. We have about like 160 members. And it's really across the board. We have a bunch of hotels that are members. And then we have um, restaurants. We have attractions like the museums in town. And then we have, you know, services that kind of run the gamut. Um, But they're they're all really sort of focused on the tourism industry by and large, right? Yeah, they do. I mean, it definitely touches that. I don't think they would necessarily be a member for us if uh, if they didn't have something to do with tourism. Right, but we have plenty of those businesses from fly shops to restaurants and hotels and you know, all, all sorts of other uh, um, entertainment and, uh, right. and activity organizations in this town. I mean, we have a, a plethora of them. And uh, absolutely, you know, 160 is a good ex- example for a town this size is a pretty sizable membership. Yeah. Absolutely. And what's your role? So my role is one of our group sales managers. So I work um, pretty specifically with meetings and conventions, and I get to invite groups in to have their annual association meeting, convention, board retreat. Anything like that. And how large a group can we now handle? There's been over the years we've had people here talk about we need a new conference center. We need a convention center like Billings or whatever. How big a group can we handle? And in your opinion, do we need some venue that we don't have? Yeah, that's a good question. And it kind of depends on each group. Um, The University of Montana has a great convention center, and they can, you know, in that ballroom space in the UC, can hold about, you know, 600 people in that room. Um, But a lot of these groups that I'm working with, right, they have that big general session where everyone's in there, and And then then they break out, right? Right. And that's where we kind of run into a little bit of limited space. Um, I would say kind of our sweet spot is around, like, 200 to 350 maybe. Right. Right. and, you know, I've gone back and forth on whether, you know, we want that big convention center here in Missoula. Um, when COVID hit, I think we were pretty thankful that we didn't have that because right. we didn't have all this business that all of a sudden had to be canceled. Well, you have like the, the Hilton Garden Inn, right? Yes. That has a nice size ballroom that you can accommodate. And I think it's um, the new Homewood Suites. Aren't they going to have an att- – are they having a convention center attached to it? Um, they won't have a convention, so they might have some meeting space attached so in there. Here's, okay, here's okay. the challenge for for Destination Missoula and everybody else that's in this planning. The, big, the bigger events, you have to have breakout rooms. Right. And people are getting very fickled about how far they're willing to walk. I was just involved in a conversation where I was hearing feedback about a venue that a, con- that, that a, com- a company was using that had about 2,000 people, and it was on four levels in a hotel in Chicago. And the reviews from the attendees, they're never going to use the facility again because people didn't like going up and down two or three or four levels. They wanted it all on one level, easy to get to. You know, the uh, at the University of Montana, at both continuing education and at the, uh, you know, the ballroom area, it's all on one level. There are breakout rooms. There just aren't enough. Right. 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 You, couldn't, you couldn't have... 30 people in 20 rooms there. It just doesn't design. And the, But the question obviously becomes, how many events do you have that you need 20 breakout rooms? I mean, the, your sweet spot is two to 300. Are there enough of those events around that, that want to come to Missoula? 
Absolutely. Yeah, we've seen, um, you know, kind of since last year, once COVID really started to wane a little bit more, we've seen the, the group business, that convention business really right. ramp up. Um, so yeah, our, our convention hotels, the Hilton Garden Inn, Holiday Inn downtown, and the Doubletree have been very busy with business. And we see a lot of that business kind of in the spring and the fall. Mm. Those are kind of our convention seasons. They're outside of right. kind of our peak summer summer. And you have to season. bid these a year or two ahead of time, right? A lot of these folks are are booking these events way in advance. They are, yeah. And that's kind of the more the typical, right? They have kind of their 2023, 24 planned, and maybe we're looking at 2025. But again, kind of COVID threw a little bit of a, a wrench in the works, and some people were like, oh, let's get back to meeting, you know, in a couple months. And, and what do you do? What do you and the group do to actually meet potential meeting planners slash organizations that are looking to you know, hey, I want to choose Missoula for my 2025 conference. How do you go and find those types of partners? Yeah, so that's that's a very fun part of my job is I get to go to these meetings, trade shows, and I get to meet with event planners and meeting planners from all over the country, um, some international. Um, so depending on, you know, the year, I'll go to Seattle or uh, I was in Boise this past fall, and I just, like, it's speed dating with meeting planners. And so I get to tell them what Missoula has to offer. They get to tell me kind of about the group that they're working with or multiple groups, and we try to make a match. How long have you been doing this? I've been doing this for about four years. So in four years, you've got a pretty good handle on what they're looking for. Yeah. So I, I, I think we could all guess what we have that they're looking for. What don't we have that you wish we had? That's a good question. More swimming pools? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone always wants that indoor swimming yeah. pool or outdoor. Yeah, we, um, have we have enough dispensaries, so that's not a problem. <laughs> but what, and bars. And bars. Yeah, we have so much to offer for people when they, when they get here. Right. I think some things that we'd love to see uh, some improvement in is our Lyft, our, our airlines. Um, and the airport has done an amazing job right. with their opening of the new terminal, we were maxed out with space, so now we've got more space for more um, flights to come in, right. more carriers to come in. So I think that would be um, something we'd love to continue improving just because then we can get more reach to more people. You sure. know, again, like you were saying, people don't want to go up and down floors in the convention center. People don't want to have to make more than one layover. Right, and if you can avoid Salt Lake City, my, my least favorite <laughs> airport on the planet. But if you had more direct flights to Los Angeles, Chicago, San Francisco, or, or more or more connections from um, Minneapolis, yeah, yeah, yeah right. that, that East Coast lift is, I think, where we could see mm-hmm. a major improvement. I would, I would love a direct. Well, you know, Bozeman has. It, but I that's know because they do. the uh, the folks up in uh, Big, Big Sky, Sky subsidize it, so they get that direct Frontier flight. I think it is. Yeah. yeah, and you know, we have the ability to do that here in Missoula as well. We have um, what's called they're called flight guarantees, right? Right. And so we've done that in the past. We were um, a big piece of bringing right. in that Dallas flight on American right. Airlines, right. Um, you know, because we raised a bunch of money and um, in collaboration with some other organizations in the city, we're able to put money on the table and say, hey, right. come into Missoula, we'll guarantee these seats. And that flight has done amazingly well. Well, that's good. Oh. So without divulging any confidentialities that you might have, who might be coming that our listeners might find interesting? What what kind of groups would be coming to town in the next year or so? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so what I've learned and gotcha. kind of the joke in the industry is that there is an association for literally everything. everything. Right. Oh, yeah. totally. Everything from, like, potatoes to potato seed association. Um, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I think they've both actually met in Missoula in the past. Um, yeah. So the unfunny car dealer association, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them. Yeah, we get. I mean, we upcoming have um, have a group that's very 
outdoor, um, like in the outdoor kind of media industry that's right. going to be upcoming. Um, I'm trying to keep it a little bit vague. Right. Uh, and then we have, you know, we have a couple of different like historical and um, museums associated meetings that are coming up. So I think the great thing about Missoula and, and again, back to, you know, do we want people, you know, that just press the button on the elevator, go from their room down to the convention floor and back up. We, we really attract a type of attendee and a type of group that wants to experience Missoula. They might not mind going between a couple of different hotels or walking to the public library to have their meeting space because, you know, that's what Missoula is about, getting outdoors. You know, they want to be outside of that meeting Especially room. Especially in the spring and By the, the fall. Way, yeah. That's a yeah. good thing to point out. There's great meeting space at the new public library. Oh, oh there totally beautiful. is. Who, yes. who do we compete with? What other types of cities slash markets are, we com- are in our competitive set? Yeah, I would say um, as far as kind of the town vibe, Boise, Bend, um, Bend, Oregon. Yeah, Bend, Bozeman. Oregon. Bozeman a, a little bit. Um, you know, I think that they do because of the the Big Sky connection. They hit a little bit more of that incentive focus, right? Where you get okay. where you're bringing people up to up to Big Sky, right? Um, as a, as a you know a bonus or something for the year, right? To take, have the, a exactly. take the sales team to bo- you know, the exactly. Big Sky for the yep. weekend. Have a Billings. And we do compete with Billings, absolutely. Um, they have a little bit more convention space than we do. Um, we're similar with our with our flights. When we when I go to but these trade shows, <laughs> I have to say I was there last spring for for a conference, and and Billings was it was pretty fun. I had a great meal. Oh, I love Billings. You know, it's it's flat though. It's it not, is. It's not like here. How I think I have an love, easier job. How can you love Billings. <laughs> you can like Billings. Arnie, I like Butte better than than Billings. Good, good, uh, I like the vibe good state in Butte place better. in Do we, we also yeah. compete with Coeur d'Alene, right? And and uh, and Spokane a bit. Yeah, probably Spokane maybe more than Coeur d'Alene, yeah. just because Coeur d'Alene has that um, the resort there, and so they'll be um, maybe yeah. more akin to something like Whitefish as well, and a little bit more of that right. incentive vibe. And so uh-huh. we will. Spokane has you know the the uh, Southwest direct you know nonstop flights out of there, so that makes them a little bit. Easier place to get to. Yeah, when, when and they Southwest do have a convention center. center. So yeah. have you noticed a difference in the work that you're doing and the interaction that you're having with potential clients and customers as a result of a show like Yellowstone? Have you felt that there is? Yeah. I vibe? have, yeah. I mean, when when that started airing, I went to – I was a little bit of a latecomer in watching it, and I went yeah. to a couple shows, and I had people asking me specifically about it, and I thought – I better watch this show. <laughs> I better watch it for work. And you know, it's been it's been very enjoyable. I mean, you know, say what you will about the the drama aspect of Yellowstone, but it really shows our area off well. It's beautiful, and and we do we get um, my coworker Kara works in the group travel market, right. you know, the domestic right. tours where buses are coming through, and we have seen a huge dem- spike in demand for anything Yellowstone related. Sure, um, and so just remind everybody they never show winter. <laughs> Right. It's only it's beautiful every day right. on Yellowstone. Yep. yep. But I can tell you, I was traveling all over the world. I was in Germany. I was in Ireland. I was in Spain. I was in Portugal. Um, and every place I went to, Yellowstone is on TV there, and people are watching it. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I mean, it's huge viewership. And I do. I think it's – overall, I think it's a wonderful thing for our, our part of the, the country. Um and then you talk about the different spinoffs and just the the economic impact that the filming has had in our communities. Hey, when you it's have Kevin Costner amazing. as your governor, 
Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> gotten it. John, yes. Well, I what I what I find really interesting is in this year in this season's storyline, tourism is a big character and part of it, yes. right? Where he basically said they're basically saying, "Look, manufacturing's gone away, cattle ranching has gone away, it's gone to South America. Tourism is our is our business." And I know when I sat on the board of direct uh, destination Missoula, Missoula has a complicated uh, identity issue with tourism. Yes, like they they we're in the tourism business, but they don't like to admit that we're in the tourism business, which I don't get. But you you admit it. I yeah. mean, you're in it. You're in it. We and fully embrace it. it. I do, and you know, I I grew up in this town. I've seen our town evolve. I. I know what good tourism brings in, and I think we're really at this point know that we have such an ability to communicate with those visitors and can help them visit our area and explore Missoula in such a responsible way. Yeah, um, and I think you know for residents who you know love to go downtown, maybe maybe in the middle of winter and they go to their favorite restaurant, that is being sustained by those tourism dollars right. that come throughout the year. And you know totally. the conversation you've been here your whole life. I've lived here for twenty six years. First day I got here, I heard the conversation about we don't like these Californians coming in and ruining everything. You know, and it's 26 <laughs> years later and you got a, a variation of that going on. But it's the change that you see everywhere. Right. Right. And unless you're in the, you know, the rust belt of America. I hear it when I'm in Cincinnati. I was just in Tucson and people are saying the same thing. All the California people are coming to Arizona. Right. You know, they're saying it in Nevada. All these Hawaiians are moving. To, you know, I mean, it's just everywhere. We have a mobile society, and we have the ability to go where you know where it appeals to us, and and that may not last for your whole lifetime, but there's that mobility, and I think you're absolutely right. There's more good than bad that has happened. As Arnie, a result. what are the what are the tax implications with a show like a Yellowstone? Like, what does that generate? One year, forty seven million dollars in in in, in uh, state uh, sales tax from a show like Yellowstone. Yeah, that, yeah. in ten thousand people employed. $47 million in tax revenue, $741 million spent by the 2 million visitors, two million that, visitors. Have, that have indicated they came here primarily or partially as a result of watching Yellowstone. Right. When those numbers came out, our, our office, I think, was pretty shocked. I mean, I mean that is a amazing. massive amount of, of money. Yeah. If somebody sat For down us. with you and said, I could generate $2 billion in revenue for the state. You, you, would, you, you would think there was some kind of huckster, right? <laughs> how, how can you do that? What are you going to do? Build Disney World in Montana? We already have Disney World in a different way. Right. And, you know, and. Well, know. Arnie, between that and cannabis and recreational <laughs> cannabis, Yellowstone cannabis factor has really thrown a lot more money into our sure. coffers. You know, it's funny because there is another show. I don't know if it's even still on. That was called Big Country. That was another Montana. Big, Big Sky. Big Sky. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, that also added to it. This this is a much bigger impact than back, you know, what, 40 years ago when they had River Run through it. That was really kind of, it, it made everything look lush and beautiful. And I knew that, I know there's an economic impact. But I really focused on a fly fishing and a family kind of story. You know, this is... This has got so many spinoffs already. What, there are three shows? There's going to be four or five shows now? There's going to be that one are with- all built off of the nucleus, off of the center point, which is Yellowstone. Right. I mean, there's going to be one with Morgan Freeman. I mean, I don't even know how he fits into all this, <laughs> but he's just signed on to star. 1923, one- 1883. It's called The Duchess with Morgan Freeman. It's about oh, really? a woman, you know, pioneer. But I have a question, so, and related kind of to what you're here to talk about, so the, how many organizations, you know, are there in our in our market area? 
that really benefit and take advantage of tourism? And how do you help them put themselves front and center to actually, if they're doing an event or they're doing a, uh, an initiative, how can Destination Missoula help these local organizations, whether it's a race or a tournament or a, you know, you tell me what makes, what makes tourism fl- fly here in Missoula and how do you help them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we can, we have, and we will continue to touch a lot of those different organizations. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, you can, we have a free events listing on our website and you can put your event information on there. We get, right. it's something like, you know, 10,000 hits a month um, of visitors looking at that page, you know, so really they want to know helping what's going promote, on. yeah, when and where these things are taking place. Um, we also, um, through, so Destination Missoula and the Tourism Business Improvement Districts are, you know, two organizations kind of under one house, under Destination Missoula. Right. And the TBAD um, is is funded through through guest dollars that are staying at hotels in town. And so uh, the TBAD hotels, we have 36 um, in Missoula right now. And every time a guest stays in a room, they pay $2 uh, on top of their room rate, and that goes to the TBAD for our for research, for marketing, for promotion. Um, and then we also have money that we grant out to different organizations that are having events in Missoula. What does that look like? So that, that number has changed a little bit over the years. COVID, we definitely took a hit because no right. events were happening. But um, we have an application process. We do two cycles a year um, so folks can apply. And really we're looking at new events that are coming into Missoula or ones that are growing and need a little bit of help really getting it out there, marketing to, you know, a greater area, to multiple states. Um, and it can, you know, kind of run the gamut of what that looks like. A, a meeting planner who's having their, you know, meeting at the university or at one of the hotels could apply, or a, a race could apply. Um, music. Music, arts, absolutely. Craft, whatever. Yep, yep, we've had, you know, a bunch of different grantees over the year. Let's see where are my numbers. We've had 72 events that we've granted uh, money to over the years since 2011. Wow. $2 isn't enough. I know when I travel around, I'm paying a lot more than that in almost every other place that I go to to, yeah, you to are. support that local. I mean, New York City, it's like $40 a night. A Absolutely. Night. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're getting two bucks. Yep. What should we get? Yeah, I always say the cost of well, living is should, the same get, as New York. I don't think anybody's not going to come here if it's $4 a night or $5 a night, right? I mean, it's just the ads on. It's like, you know, it's a tip. or it's That a, number, though, is not determined by Destination Missoula. It's determined by the state, right? So it is, it's actually determined by the, the city of Missoula. Oh, so by the if, city. if we wanted to change that, it would have to go through the city of Missoula um, and city council. Um, but the, the TBID is in general across the state. It's part of the Montana State Legis- uh, Legislature. Do you know what Bozeman gets per head or what Billings yeah, does? Yeah, $2 right now is, um, is pretty much the going rate. I know that there's some communities that it's a um, dollar or $1.50, but $2 is the highest. That's amazing. For that the state of Montana. It's so low. It does seem it does seem pretty low. Um, it's interesting in Montana we have the state accommodations tax and or the bed tax. Right. So you know if you stay in a hotel uh, or a, at a campground, it applies to more than just hotel motels. You'll get a eight percent tax added to your room charge. But that's right? the state's that's, collecting that. That's the state, and and we get a small piece of that that comes back to Missoula. Right. Um, but the the TBAD 
$2 fee just as in Missoula. Right. Um, that stays in Missoula. Of course, other communities have a TBIT as well. But. So this, so the grant process, since we're, we're, go, we're coming up on another cycle, right? Yes. Talk a little bit about that and how do people take advantage of that? Yeah, absolutely. So our um, our applications are due March 1st. We have a, in my opinion, very um, kind of streamlined, easy grant application. Um, you can apply right on our website. And uh, you basically just have to tell us some information about your event, you know, when it's taking place, how many people. We have a couple, um, you know, eligibility time requirements. Year, yep, right. time of year is a big one. We really try to push these into the shoulder and off seasons. So you get kind of extra points on your application if your event is happening between October and April. Got so it. trying to, we know it's really busy here in June, July, August, September. So we're trying to, you know, push those newer events or bigger events to happen outside of those times. Have you noticed the impact of rising hotel nightly rates and restaurant prices on decisions that groups are making to come here or, or tourists in general? Yeah, that is, that's definitely, um, and I would say probably more the, the hotel rate than, you know, restaurant rates. The great thing we get to tell in Montana too is that we do not have a sales tax. Right. That makes a big difference for groups when you're looking at a big food and beverage charge at a hotel yes. or when your attendees go out for shopping, eating them. But um, yeah, over the past couple of years, and I think COVID has been a, player in this is we have seen that average daily room rate or ADR go up quite a bit. Um, it's something that our boards are talking about. It's something that, you know, hotels across Montana are really talking about. Um, and if there's kind of, if we're going to reach that tipping point where it's no longer uh, possible to be charging those, you know, those and, rates. and it's all relative. I mean, if you want to stay at the montage in big sky in February, you're going to pay $2,200 a night. Wow. That's what it is. And if you want to stay at Paws Up or if you want to stay at, you know, Triple Creek, I mean, those those set a much higher standard. But if a typical hotel room is three, four hundred dollars a night during that same kind of time period, it does drive people to, you know, to pause a little bit. If you can come stay four, four nights and you got children coming, and you have to rent two rooms. You're talking about, you know. $3,000 plus just for your hotel. Yeah. It's for a place to stay. Absolutely. And what we've been watching too is, you know, Montanans travel within the state a lot, yes. right? Yeah. And kids have tournaments. And we really want to keep those those local tournaments and keep those local travelers coming back, right? So um, that's definitely something that we're thoughtful about. Well, we you could, finding, well I was going to say, do you find the rates – that the charging in the summer, they start to bleed into the shoulder season a little bit. Like they're able to get higher rates, you know, in the fall. Yeah. And we, we have kind of seen that our busy season extend more into September, more into October yeah. than we have in the past. Um, and sometimes that's the best, you know, best time to come visit. Well, those the, fall yeah, days. The, the, yeah. Yeah. The, the secret that's out about Montana is September and October are probably the two best months, particularly in Missoula. Right. I mean, I can't remember how many Grizz football games I've gone to in October in a T-shirt. Absolutely. You know, and it's uh, <laughs> or yeah. a parka in June. Pa- yeah. Parka in June. <laughs> Emily Ralston's our guest on today's show, talking uh, and from Destination Missoula. Now, you're, what's your title? It's the head of group sales. Group sales manager. Group sales manager. Oh, I manager got. I you can put me at the head of it. <laughs> Well, you kind of are, though, because... The omnipotent head of... You're the group sales manager, but the point is that 
<laughs> it's you. It's me, and it's my wonderful colleague Kara, who do right. all the group business. Right. Well, one of the things, one of the impacts of, of yes, yeah, this upward trend in hotel and restaurant prices is that you may still be full, but there'll be a different kind of person coming here than came before. You know, they're more affluent. I mean, the Wilson Hotel in Big Sky, which is a residence inn, but they can't call it a. Re- I, this is my take on it. Apologize to whoever the owner is. They have a little sign about four inches wide and eight inches long. It says residence, and they got this huge sign, the Wilson, over the top of it. Right. And the, in in a week from now, if you want to stay there, it's six hundred dollars a night to stay at a residence inn. Well, it's also in Big Sky Village, which prime season. For that skating. doesn't include lift tickets. It doesn't. I mean, no. it's just that's just your that, and that's a residence inn. That's not. The Big Sky Resort, that's not Yellowstone Club, that's not the Montage, that's a residence area. At the Summit, right. Yeah. No, 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 they're they're taking advantage of it. Do you think that COVID and the two and a half years we spent under COVID watch was, while you weren't able to take advantage necessarily and travel as much, kind of like pulling back a, a bow and releasing it, and now everybody wants to travel and get everywhere and be there. And we're taking advantage of the rates. Like, we're, rates are going up, right? Like, to come here, you have to have more money. You have to be able to, to travel here. You have to get on a plane. You have to have more money. Everything's gone up. And so we're and, taking and advantage of it just like everybody on, else. On right, the, yeah. We do, we're definitely not in a bubble here. We've seen kind of this same trend in the Mountain West. Um, and, again, right. I think people couldn't go to those big cities during COVID. People couldn't travel internationally. So they, you know, looked at a at a map, saw that COVID. Well, airfares have gone up, also for sure. I mean, you, know, yeah. you don't get any, any many discount air flights. You see, right. every once in a while, there's a flash sale, but it's not that great. No, you know, other people that are in the industry are trying to maximize their profits because of potential recession or whatever, and so prices are going up more. End up of those price increases in the owner's pockets than it does in the employee's pockets. And that's well, that's for sure. proven over and over again. And, you know, the argument is, well, we can't find qualified people, so we have to pay a lot more. Therefore, we have to raise all of our prices. They don't have to raise their prices. They're raising their prices because they want to take advantage of the of the economic weakness, just like the oil companies. They have record profits. So there's no problem. I mean, they could have, they could have charged less for oil and gas and still made – Almost record profits, but they charge as much right. as the market would allow them to. Right. right. And that's one of the unintended consequences. And while we're not here to argue politics or, or economic policy, it does have an effect on your job when you're trying to attract a group here. And they got 200 people coming. Say, okay, what's it going to cost us for meals? What's it going to cost us for rooms? What's it going to cost us flights. for Ubers? What's it going to cost us for flights? flights? And how does that compare to, you know, my other options that are out there? Right, exactly. And, you know, something we talk about in the office, too, is a family might choose to come out to Montana for that destination trip, right? But we we want them to come back again. Right. Um, and if they feel that they come out here and they're, they're not finding that value, right, it's not making sense if they're paying too much, um, they might not come out again. And they might not tell their family and friends to travel to Montana. Right. And that's been such a, a big piece of Montana's tourism is people – coming back, and especially for Missoula, as people come back again and again. And we want a cross-section. We don't just want the most affluent. Absolutely. As, right. as Governor Dutton said, you know, <laughs> we just don't want all those, you know, high, 
Californians. expensive Californians. I do have to tell you one one of my tourism stories. I won't name the the uh, resort, but there's a private resort in Montana that has golf, and I happened to be invited by one of the uh, one of the members, and I, I got to play there, and it was very nice. And I was sitting on the veranda of the uh, clubhouse, and there's a group of people that were clearly visiting. You know, they had. Uh, um, jeans that were, you know, ironed and, you know, <laughs> right out of the box. Everything was brand new. And uh, two couples were sitting there, and uh, they just assumed we were like them. And they, and they said, and I quote, you know, I love coming to Montana. The villagers are so friendly. <laughs> and everything's so cheap here. <laughs> yeah, cool. You know, you know my, my point to you is this. We don't want to become serfs to America's tourism aristocracy, right? Right. You know. You know, we're going to, everything's cheap here and, you know, and, and it's not cheap. But to them, relatively speaking, we're tri- flying here in private aircraft and, you know, and, and are staying at a place where it's $2,000 a night. And, you know, the drinks are $12 instead of 20 bucks like they are in New York City. And so they think it's cheap here. Yeah. That creates a different clientele for the state's tourism industry. And it changes a bit of, you know, what we're all about. Yeah, absolutely. And we really, we want there to be a diverse set of people that are coming yes. to visit us, right? Yeah. I think the the main thing that we want in our in our visitors, right, is people who will really value this place, who will understand Missoula values, Montana values, and and treat this place like like we do, like, and so that they can come back again and again, and it, you know. Well, the nice thing about it, when a group comes to visit is is that if they come during the shoulder season, the one thing they are going to go home and tell their significant other is. We got to take the kids to Western Montana. We got to go to Missoula and Glacier and Whitefish and Yellowstone. Let's do a you know a ten day road trip. And so that's what's so great about what you're working on is that you're really you are sometimes a group slash individual's first interaction with Montana. Right. Yeah. Right. So how do you how do you do that in a way where they're getting a real authentic but also reasonable experience from a ex- cost standpoint because those groups, I mean, that's a big expense, right? That's one of the things we saw during COVID is group trips and group meetings like that. It's been replaced with Zoom. Right. Yep. So how do you de- unzoom them? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think there is, you know, still this kind of it's to get back in person, right? And to have that Definitely. interaction. Well, there's Zoom fatigue too. There's just so right, many of those yeah. kind of meetings where you never meet oh, we the were person do in this real life. via Zoom and I'm glad we did. Yeah. I know. I'm glad that I'm right in here in the studio. That's yeah. right. But there's what, a so different kind do? of chemistry. So, you know, when, when I go out and I talk with different meeting planners, I try to find those groups that do want to have experiences outside of the meeting room, right? And we can talk about um, the breweries in Missoula, we can talk about all the arts and entertainment and of course all of our outdoor recreation. And that's just it. You know, sometimes if a, if a group books in here, then we know that they're going to bring a spouse. They're going to bring their family to come before or after that meeting oh, because sure. they want to experience the area or they go home and then bring their family back another time of year. And I think being able to show them kind of the cross section of Missoula and all the different things that you can do. You know, if, if someone's not a big outdoor rec person, that's okay. We have a bunch of other things. That right. They, can they might do. like all the music scene, Absolutely. right? They go right. to kettle house and, you know, see a great concert here for one tenth the price of what it is anywhere else. Yeah. And arguably the most the beautiful venue in the world. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it, it is, we have a lot to attract 
Emily, what is tell us a little bit about your background because you didn't just land here. I know you were born in Missoula, right? But you left for a little while and then came back. What's your what's or what's where your story? Yeah. Where tell did you work before you became the destination? Missoula? Sure, yeah. I, so I grew up here, um, went to Hellgate, go Knights. Uh, And then I I chose to to leave and go out of state for for college, Um, went over to a small college in Walla Walla, Washington, and then lived in Seattle for a year year after that, had a little dose of the big city, and then wanted to come back. I really miss that (laughs) access to outdoor recreation um, that that we have here. In Seattle, I worked for a kind of a startup tech company that they were a data center brokerage firm and which is absolutely not my background. I was an anthropology major in college. Um, and it was, yeah, it was fun. I got to do kind of different special projects and stuff for the CEO and they've done amazingly. Um, but I, yeah, I wanted to come back. And then when I moved back to Missoula, I, Got a job um, with Adventure Life, and they're an sure. adventure travel oh, yeah. and touring company. With Brian. Yeah, with Brian. Um, and did that for about uh, 15 months and just felt that it wasn't the, the best fit and then moved on to Destination Missoula where oh. I could focus more on that inbound tourism instead of outbound. Sure. So you were in a very interesting town to go to college in, Walla Walla. Yeah. Which most people never heard of. And all of a sudden right. they, they really promoted the heck out of their wine industry. And right. now it's become a, a you know destination venue. Absolutely. And actually a pretty cool one. I love going back to that town. And I think they're probably seeing some similar um, yeah. things that we are here too, right? This well, they're smaller, right? It's about half, it's about what, 25 or 30,000? I think they're about 30,000 yeah. people. Yeah. So, so it's a smaller. smaller community, but they've got a lot of stuff that hold downtown, yeah. a lot of restaurants, a lot of night spots, a lot of uh, interesting have you been? Have you been recently? I want yeah. to go. Yeah, it's great. I, I really like it there. They have a cool hotel. Yes. You know, that's down, you know, they got a nice hotel downtown. They got a bunch of great hip, right. you know, vineyards and, and wineries. Right. You, I was going to say, you are uh, Walla Walla, and then how about Spokane, Tri-Cities. Like you could do the tour. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All really close in there. And I think they they probably have a lot of drive market from you know Seattle, Portland. It's like four hours to get to those cities. So right. they have a little tiny airport. So I feel very lucky with our flights in comparison to Walla Walla. <laughs> but... Great community, and the folks in the tourism office over there are, are really fun, too. I've had the chance to meet them. so Yeah, yeah that's good. Well, our airport, as you know, is going to double in size. It is, yes. And, have, and, I mean, it's great now compared to where it was. It's going to be even greater, and that's going to afford better you know, service and more that you can you know, tout when you're trying to attract businesses here. Right, and Arnie, you were just traveling. Yes. You were just going through Salt Lake City. Yeah, and- which I hate. <laughs> I'll tell you what they did there. Why do you hate it? I'll tell you why I hate it. Because they made the wrong decision. They decided to open, close up the old terminal and open the new one before, two years before it was right. ready. So you have to, so last night, 10 degrees out, you land in the A terminal. Then you have to, and all of the flights to Missoula leave from the end of the B terminal. They're two very long terminals. So far away. Half a mile long almost. Right. You have to walk down, go through three you know, movable sidewalks, if they're working, if you're handicapped, you have to wait for somebody, and there's hardly anybody ever there because it's hard right. to staff that. Then you come up on the other side, you walk all the way to the end. Then when they call the Missoula flight, you have to walk down a ramp that goes back and forth and back, you know, sort of a switchback. You walk almost a third of a mile to get to a bus 
That's a five-minute bus ride to your plane. Ugh. This is third world. I did that in Africa. <laughs> You're not supposed to be doing that. And they say this is going to go on for another two years. Yeah, it's a yeah, major project. That. So I, don't, I really don't understand, and I probably could get an explanation for it, but why? We did the right thing here, right? We kept our airport running like to the day the new one was going to and open up. And just flipped. Yep. I mean, it was amazing, the transition that they made. That team literally, you know, carrying over computers, desks, all that stuff to make make it happen in in one night. You're right. The old airport there wasn't that bad. I mean, the old Salt Lake City airport wasn't really that bad. No, it was fine. It was fine. They could have kept it open for two more years, built this thing out, and then moved everybody over. But they didn't. And so you have all of this, you know commotion if you fly you cannot if you fly in an international flight because lots there are some directs to london and paris and i've taken them you have to plan to have at least two hours to clear customs they also do something in customs there that i've never seen anywhere else which is you wait for your bags first before you go through customs so oh you yes. can come yeah. off you can Collect pay to be a first class passenger but if your, which allows you to get to the head of the line, so to speak. But if your luggage doesn't come off first, you're waiting till every, and you know, you could be, uh, those are usually large flights. You could have two, 300 people ahead of you because they're making your luggage before you go through. And now I've never seen that anywhere else. That's terrible. So I just don't like the way they, they've, they've imagined this transition period, and it's very user unfriendly. Right. It's a long answer to your question, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, Brian L. said at the, at the airport. Right. And they yeah, we went, love Brian. They went and toured other airports and noted what was working, what was not working, you know, to really make the user experience um, heightened in Missoula. And I think they've done a fantastic no, it's, job. You, it was seamless. You know, everything works well. Luggage comes off quickly. You're not waiting around 45 minutes an hour for luggage. Even if you come in at 1 o'clock That's in great. the morning flight like I, I did. And, and one, my wife waits for the bags to come, and I go get, get the, car. the car. The car's right there. It's a there. great you don't partnership. Have to take a bus. It's a true <laughs> partnership. You don't have to take a bus to your car here, like you do in a lot of other right, airports. Right, yeah. So, Emily, you've okay. been at Destination Missoula for four years. You're running group sales. <laughs> You're working for... Barb, Barb, Barb who's Nealon, great, who's yes. been there however. Our director. 400 years. Our executive director. <laughs> since before Missoula was a... She's been there now how many years? She has been there almost 20 years. She yeah. knows this place better than anybody. Yeah, right, exactly. And knows how to get things done. I mean, that this is that's the one thing that I learned when I sat on the board of Destination Missoula. When you're in a board situation and you're working in a government, you know, you're kind of like to the side of the government, right. but you were relying on them. Things take a long time to get done, so it's a it's a long game. It's not like right. boom, boom. Plus, right? the other thing right. we haven't Absolutely. talked about is that the, the workforce in Missoula and the infrastructure of the business activity here has transformed since you were at Hellgate. Absolutely. You know, and now it's very tech-focused. You know, if you walk into a restaurant downtown, you go to the the, uh, the pricier restaurants in downtown. They're all people in their 30s, mostly, that are in there. And they're working at Cognizant. They're working at a number of the other, you know, tech companies totally. that are here in town, making making competitive salaries, you know, which are, you know, which allow them to. For larger markets, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that hasn't had an effect because that will attract more conferences and more events. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's all really tied together, right? The economic development piece is very tied to tourism. You know, so we're working with MEP a lot, the Missoula Economic right. Partnership. Um, we know that, you know, 
tourists coming in, they might look at Missoula and say, hey, I might want to relocate here, right? That's that's not our, our focus at Destination Missoula, but we know that that does happen. And so we know we're part yeah, of the conversation right. when we talk about quality of life, when we talk about things like housing, we talk about what kind of industries, you know, where we are are looking at to come into our community. Totally. We've had, we had Grant here back in December, actually. Yeah. Talking about a lot of these. The biggest challenge in all of this is that, you know, that's the exciting side. And the, 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 the tough side is the folks that are here working regular jobs that don't get the advantage of some of, you know, right. this economic right. lift. Right. And then they see everything around them getting much more expensive than, than it's been. Totally. I mean, you were in Seattle. You know what the costs are there. I was sitting, I was sitting in a, a waiting for a meeting and, there was a, a woman and her mother looking at it. They were they she had gotten a job here. The the uh, daughter had gotten a job here, and they were looking at apartments. And they were looking at an apartment, and uh, the the mom said, "How much is that?" And the daughter said, "Well, it's only two thousand a month." And she said, "Well, that's cheap." And so I asked him, "Where are you coming from?" Right. And I said, "Oh, we're moving." She, my daughter's job was in New York City, and now she's moving here to take a job here. And two thousand is cheap, right? Yeah, but for somebody who's lived here their whole life and they're trying to find a thousand dollar a month apartment or a nine hundred, very difficult. It's hard to do. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt that there's so so many people can't afford to live here anymore. Um, Let's do it. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Our guest is Emily Ralston, the head of group sales for Destination (laughs) Group Sales Manager, and we'll be back right after these words. Arnie, we are back with Emily Ralston. So, Emily, we're heading into our twentieth anniversary of Destination Missoula, and you're launching a new stewardship pl- program, right? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we are. So we are, we are very excited to be celebrating 20 years, and we have been wanting to do kind of this 10-year tourism plan for, for a while now, um, and, and COVID kind of hit the brakes on that project, and, and we're actually glad it did because COVID kind of brought around some, some different uh, focus for us with this, and so now we are we're headed into yeah, a destination stewardship planning process. And it's really, you know, to try to get the thoughts, the sentiments from our residents, from our local businesses, um, from different organizations, really to, to shape what Missoula tourism looks like for the next 10 years. You know, how can we make this sustainable? What can we do better? What do we need to, you know, what are things that we don't know that residents are feeling about tourism? We really want to reach out to the community and, and have it be a, a big conversation. And that's an important thing for an organization to tackle. Yeah. Sure. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Earlier we were talking about grants. Money always attracts me, interests right. me. So how does that grant process work to get some of this money that you guys have? Oh, sure, yeah. So the grant process um, – you can go on and apply online at tbid.destinationmissoula.org. Do that one more time slower. tbid.destinationmissoula.org. Okay. And you can click Grant Opportunities. You'll go to our application page. You kind of can check and see if you're eligible for the grant. There are a couple that we want you to have at least 100 room nights that you're bringing into our community. want to make sure that you have enough planning time before your event. So we require seven months in advance. So for this cycle... Any event that's happening October 2023 or later is eligible to apply. Um, we have a great grant video that one of our board members, um, our previous board members, Christine Johnson, did for us, um, where you, she walks you through the process. It's very easy. And you get an additional five points on your application if you watch that video. Smart. 
smart. So I always tell people to watch and that. What, what's the monetary range, or is there one? For these there ones? isn't one. You know, we have granted anywhere from like $1,000 up to $15,000, depending on kind of the size, the breadth of the event. So we encourage everyone to apply. You know, and then we have a lovely grant selection committee. So I'm the staff liaison for that. I'm not, I'm not actually on the committee, but they look over all the different applications. They score them. They do interviews, and they decide kind of what that money allocation Who gets looks what? like. Give us the email address or the uh, the website address again. Yeah, it is tbid.destinationmissoula.org. Beautiful. And destinationmissoula.org is the general website right. for people who want to find out about all these great things that are going on and who's coming to town and all of your events and activities. Yep, exactly. All of our, you know, our blog lives on our website. We have our events page. We have everything you want to know about Missoula. Pretty pictures. Def- lots of pretty pictures. Yeah, their Instagram yeah. is great too. <laughs> yeah, great. Anyway, this is this hour w- flew by. Flew by. Flew by. Jeez, Thank you guys good. so much. Thank Emily, you it's for coming. Great to have you here, and uh, we look forward to great things uh, in the coming year. Yes, stay tuned. All right, I'll see you next week, Arnie. Take care, Scott. See you next week. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. Direct from Broadway comes a show from one of comedy's most distinctive voices, Alex Edelman's Just For Us. And I remember the first time I was aware of being Jewish. I was at a children's birthday party, and I reached for a slice of pizza that had some sausage on it. And my grandfather saw me reaching, and he said, you can't have that, David. We're Jewish. And I said, what does that mean? And with a totally straight face, he just said, it means you'll never be happy. Alex Edelman's Just For Us at the Kennedy Center, March 21st and 22nd. Tickets at kennedy-center.org.